praise the Lord. How's everybody doing? So good to be here this morning and to be together. We had a great time yesterday evening playing softball, didn't we? And I'm feeling it a little bit, this 46-year-old body. It's a little sore. Is anyone sore at all? Good, I'm not the only one. Even some of the younger guys? Not you, Nick, right? I'm a little sore, I got to tell you. But uh, tell you what, I get on the base pass, and I forget that I'm 46, and I run with everything I got. <laughs> but we had a good time. We had a good time. It's good to fellowship. It was good to just good for our morale and just good for our camaraderie, isn't it? Isn't it a good a good thing? So we're just grateful that we're able to do that with House on the Rock Church. Uh, I think we have another day set in two or three weeks or so. Uh, we will be playing every month and some months twice, so, uh, you know, you guys ready? Saving up your money on the walk to buy a, a new glove and bat and whatnot, right? Everyone's getting into this. Into this. Got myself a new glove. We got Josh a new glove, right? New bat we were using yesterday. The only thing we missed is Joe Russo. Joe, on the, on the IL, the injured reserved, right? Hopefully it's not a season-ending injury. We'll be praying for you, brother. But it was a, it was a great time in the Lord. Well, I'm going to kind of share a word, really more or less from my heart, uh, that the Lord has been speaking to me about the last couple days. Um, and it was kind of fitting on the last song we sang. Because the title of what uh, I'm going to share with you today, if I would put a title on it, is In God We Trust, Kind of Sorta. In God we trust, kind of, sort of. You know, sometimes I, I chuckle when I look at uh, money, and uh, I see that it says, in God we trust. And uh, I'm so thankful that, that our country has uh, God-fearing uh, Christian roots uh, based out of uh, Jew, Jew, the Jewish faith and also Christian beliefs that we are founded on those things. And, um, you know, there is still a great remnant in our country that still call upon the Lord and believe in him. Uh, but as we know, there's there's a lot of our, our country, and as time goes on, that does not. And a lot of our ways uh, are, are, I believe, are dishonoring to the Lord. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, new laws and, and, and ways of, uh, of thinking is contrary to the word of God. Um, but nevertheless, there is still a remnant and there is still uh, a foundation, foundational belief and base that our country uh, trusts in God. And I'm happy for that. And I'm glad that we can come together and worship our Lord and sing songs and meet and uh, that we can still do that in this country, and uh, that we could come together and 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 still have religious freedom in our in our nation, not just for us, for Christians, but for all 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 faiths, uh, whether we believe that they're they're praying to the one true God, if we want to protect our uh, ability to practice our faith or religion, if you'd want to call it, we also have to defend and fight for the freedom for other people to to uh, worship the way they decide to worship as long as it's not something that is harmful or hurtful to anybody else. Um, but we're thankful that on our money it says in God we trust. But we do know that we probably trust more in actually what that is written on uh, many times than, than actually the God that, that provides it for us. Uh, I would have to say that uh, our country has been blessed and, and uh, financially and we've prospered in many ways. Uh, I think that if you live in America, even at the lowest level of living in our country is still uh, you live better than 75% of the civilized world, even at a poverty level in this country. We're a blessed country. Um, but I, I don't know that we as a whole, or definitely as a government, technically put our trust in the Lord. 
But then again, I don't know I could say for sure that even all of the church really puts their trust in God. And that's why I said in God we trust sort of, kind of. And what I want to talk to you today is about that, is about trusting the Lord and what that looks like. And I'm going to share a couple verses out of uh, Jeremiah 17. And I will be reading to you verse 7 and verse 8, if we could just turn there. Everybody should have their Bibles. Um, I'll wait for a minute for you guys to get there. Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 7. This is a, is a, a, a famous chapter because it's often spoke of in verse 9 and 10 where it talks about the heart being deceitful above all things. But we're going to actually focus on what it says prior to that where it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I don't have to add anything to your word and I certainly don't want to take anything away from it for it to be anointed. It is already anointed. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that you thought enough of us not only to send your son, uh, but you send your word to us. You sent your spirit to us. And you've given us everything that we uh, need to successfully discover and find you and to live a life according to your ways. So we just thank you that we have this word. Lord, and I pray for the word you've put on my heart, Lord, and I pray that I'd be able to communicate it thoroughly, Lord, clearly. I pray that uh, anything that comes against or is distracting against your word being preached today or taught, that you would take your strong right hand and press up against it, Lord, and that we'd be able to clearly hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. That word blessed right there uh, is, not a, is not a tricky word. It really does mean to be blessed as in which we, we would understand it. If you look at the original uh, language, uh, that word is barak, B-A-R-A-K. Uh, and uh, it means to be blessed. It means to be congratulated. Uh, or to kneel. And it's very interesting uh, when we think about this uh, because when we think about the word blessed, especially in the Old Testament, uh, the blessing was very, very important in the Old Testament. In fact, a son would not really be able to do much of anything without the blessing of his father. And it was very significant when the father would lay his hands on his son and bless him. Um, which we see all the way from, from, from the book of Genesis with, with Abraham. We see with Jacob. Uh, we see uh, this, this happen many times over and over where a father would lay his hands on his son to bless him. In fact, the word, this word bless, Barak, also means to kneel before because w one of the ways that a father would, would put a blessing upon his son is, is, is the son would actually kneel in front of the father and the father would lay his hands and give a blessing. And that would mean that, that his, his por the portion that was due the son would be released to the son or that he would be blessed to move forward uh, uh, in, 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 in the vision that the son would have for his life. And it was, it was really, really uh, looked down upon for a son to do anything without his father's blessing. 
It's it was really powerful the approval of the father and 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 how significant that was, and how uh, God has purposed that a father would 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 teach a son, not only the way to go, but he would also provide and give the ability for that son to move forward and do what 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 they were called to do in their life, even to marry the person that they were to marry or to leave a, 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 a particular geographical place to move to another. The father would have to give his blessing upon him, him his son and his family to do any of that. And it would be uh, se- severely looked down upon if a child was to do anything without the blessing of his father. And that's why it's it, it's so detrimental, especially in our culture, that we see so many sons that do not have a father because God never intended that to happen. God always intended a father to be there to raise up his children and to provide for them, not only uh, in their life as a child, but to bless them as they move forward in their own family, in their own life, and to teach them the way that they should go. And that's why one of the greatest uh, tricks of the enemy is to always to destroy the family. It's always to come against uh, traditional family values because God has formed the family. He has formed the family for there to be a mother and there to be a father and there to be offspring and children and the, the parents to teach and provide for the family and then also give them their blessing into their future uh, after they've been trained up in the way that they should go. That's why the devil comes against men so so uh, dearly and so so harshly is because if he could break up a family, if he can get a father out of a house, he probably gets two or three generations all at one time. That's how important it is. So the word bless, barak, means to kneel down or to congratulate. And when, when you think about the blessing of God in your life, I want you to think about that. Imagine getting congratulated by the creator of the universe, where, he, where he's shaking your hand and he's saying, great job, and, you know, we're, I'm proud of you, son. And now, now I'm going to, to let you move on and, and do, do, move into the next season of your life with a blessing. How many people would love to be congratulated from the Lord? I mean, I've had people congratulate me and people say, man, I'm proud of you. But there is nothing more significant in my life than knowing that the God of the universe is standing behind me, standing with me, saying, I am with you, son, and I have blessed you to move forward. So when we look at that word blessed, it says, a man who trusts in the Lord is blessed. Just to to have faith in God, just to put your, your dependency upon him already makes you a blessed person, a person that is congratulated from the Lord, a person that that's uh, that symbolically has has kneeled before God and God has laid his hands upon him and said I have blessed you to move into the next season of your life where I blessed you into the endeavors and not only have I blessed you and I've given you approval but I'm also going to provide for you in the next stage of your life. This is the God that we serve. He desires to bless us. He desires to provide for us and keep us and 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 help us and teach us and train us. And then he 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 desires to send us into the vision that he's given us for our life with a blessing and a way to for that to be provided for. That's the God that we serve. And what he asks from us is that we would trust him. That we would trust him. And although that seems so simple and it seems so very, all right, well, all I have to do is trust God. And many of us would say, man, I trust God and, you know, I am believing for God and I have faith in God. But when it comes to the everyday things in our life, we find it so difficult to really trust God that we, we as men, we so often take things into our own hands and we try to control and we try to manipulate and we try to make things happen for ourselves because we have to do it because because. Because, we're, because if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. But out of our mouth, we'll say, well, I trust God. And so what I want to talk to you about, like, what trust looks like in our everyday life. What it really means to trust God in our life. And when we truly trust God, 
It's not just about saying I have faith in Jesus for salvation. I mean, it's, it's, it's much easier for me to say I trust that chair will hold me up. It takes a little bit more for me to actually go sit in that and st- stay in it. It's very easy to say, well, I trust in Jesus. But then it's another thing is to follow him and to walk this thing out. And if you're truly trusting Jesus in your life, people should be able to look at your life and notice that you're trusting Jesus. Because if I told you that I was I trusted that chair for me to uh, uh, that chair to hold me up, well you would obviously say, "Well, then sit in it and let me see." So the fact that we say that we trust God or that we hang out with people that trust God or we read a book about other people that trust God doesn't necessarily mean that we trust God. That if if we're going to trust God, we have to sit in the chair and trust that it's going to hold us up and do more than just talk about it and say about it and hang out with other people that trust Him. We're actually going to have to do something that puts our trust on display. And I just got a couple uh, things that I want to talk about that show and put on display that we are trusting God and put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, is that if we trust God, then we will also trust God's timing. Because it's one, it's one thing to say that we trust God for something or, or trust God to do something but if we're going to trust God, we also have to trust His timing. And sometimes we get ahead of ourselves in this area. That I, I mean, I trust God to give me a, a hope and a future and a life, but I don't trust Him enough to wait for it. So I got to go get it. I got to make it happen. And we see this all the time. We see guys, listen, you know, I, I got to go get a job and I got to I got to I got to go go do this and I got to do this now and I got to go fix this and 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 it's like, well, well God has that for you, but I, I just think you need to wait on him and trust in him. Well, I am trusting him, but I I have to do something. Well, you're right, but but really you have to do it in his timing and not your own. And to say that we trust God, but we don't trust Him in His in His timing, is not trusting God at all. It's just mere words. I know that when I when I first came in into Teen Challenge, I had a plan on what I believed God was going to do. I believed that God had called me to be a pastor and a minister, and I had this picture in my mind that I was going to go to the program. In Long Island, I was going to do my first phase there because at that time you had the option of going to the mountain in in Rearsburg, Pennsylvania for second phase. So what I thought was going to happen was that I was going to um, I was going to go into the program. I already sensed that God had a call on my life from young, uh, uh, a younger age of my life so, so that I was going to just surrender my life to Jesus and I was going to give him everything, but I, but I already had a plan on how everything was going to look when I gave him everything. And my, my picture was I was going to come into the program, I was going to do my first phase, I was going to go to Rearsburg, Rearsburg to, the, to the mountain, I was going to leave directly from the mountain and I was going to go to Bible college, I was going to finish Bible college and then I was going to to probably travel a little bit and and, and do revivals around uh, around the country and around the world. And God was going to use me in this in this 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 world uh, of evangelism and and just preaching, you know, the power in the kingdom of God. And that's what I thought. So I had this all laid out. At the same time, I was surrendering my life to Jesus. But see. Those things didn't happen exactly that way. Because I came into the program, and then six days later, my father had passed away. And then I found out, uh, then I found out while I was home, uh, I remember getting the phone call packing my dad's apartment up after he had passed away. I'd gotten a phone call that, that I was going to have a child. Um, for those of you that do not know, I do have a 12-year-old son 
uh, that was was born while I was a student in the program. Most of you probably know my story already, but some of you may not. And he was born uh, while I was uh, in the program. So this was going to kind of mess up my plans a little bit because, well, well, I can't necessarily leave him. So I'm kind of confused because I already had this all laid out about what I was going to do. So then I had to start thinking about how this was going, going to look, where I was going to go to Bible college and where, where this was all going to happen, and, you know, and how, how I was going to be a minister and how I was going to preach and how, how, how I was going to do all these great things for the Lord. But it, it came a time for me where I not only had to trust the outcome of what God was going to do, that God was going to raise me up, that God was going to uh, use my life, that I was going to become a pastor, that I was going to get to do the things that I envisioned in my heart, but, it, but the timing and the way it was going to look and the details were going to be different. But I couldn't be so stuck on what I thought God was going to do that I just said, no, 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 I already got a plan. This is what God's doing in my life. no. Maybe God is doing it differently. Maybe you had part of it true. Yes, God did call you, and God has, has given you a desire to, to learn and minister his word. But, but maybe his timing of all that was going to be different. And as you can see, it was very different. I wound up graduating the program in Long Island. I wound up signing on there originally for one year to do an internship because I was still kind of stuck on that I was going to go to Bible college. But that didn't happen. I wound up going to Bible college while working at Long Island Teen Challenge, uh, doing it through the, through the, uh, the, the AG uh, on, a, on a half kind of on my own online and then going once a month to class to get all my books done so that I could be credentialed and, and become a minister. So, but none of that was in my mind when we started this thing out when I said, I'm going to trust God. So I had to let the details play out, but I had to trust God through the process. And God has each one of you in a process, and he probably hasn't given you all the details. But you can't put, you can't trust the end picture or the end result. You have to trust God, the person that he is, and trust that one way or another, he's going to be faithful in your life if you trust him through the process. And it may look different than you expected. It may take you to different places than you expected. But trust God. Don't trust your idea of what he's going to do. Don't trust him to lay out every detail in your life because it may be different. It was similar to the way me and, 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 and my wife who's sitting in the back got together because in 2009, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a word that she was going to be my wife in 2009. 2009. And I, I went into my pastor's office, and I sat down there confidently, and I said, the Lord has spoken to me. He says, what's that, Paul? Here I am, I mean, out of the program probably just months. And uh, I says, uh, the Lord told me that uh, Ashley Key is, is, is my wife. And he said, that's wonderful, but now's not the time. And I said, uh, okay. Uh, and I wasn't happy with it. Uh, I says, well, how does he know exactly what God has spoken to me? And, um, and uh, I tried to take things into my own hands. I did. And uh, I got, we got in trouble uh, for texting. Nothing more than that. But as you guys know, it's one of the cardinal sins in Teen Challenge. You can't communicate with women without permission. And uh, I got in trouble. And we got corrected and um, had to go through that process. And that's what I thought. I thought I heard from you, Lord. I thought I heard from you. And then God began to speak to me some more about it. And my wife, she went her separate way. I went my separate way. I thought, well, you know, may, may, maybe I missed it. Maybe, maybe something, uh, you know, maybe it was in my flesh. I don't know. But I, I just couldn't shake it. And uh, she went off to Bible college, and uh, she was about to go to Bible college, and we hadn't spoken for a few years, really. You know, just let it go and put it to rest and said, all right, God, if, if I missed it, I missed it, but I thought it was you. And then it wasn't until 2013-ish or 14-ish, Ash? 2013, 
um, my pastor came to me and he said, hey, now, now this is four years later, guys. This is a long time. And he said, uh, I think now's the time. And I said, what? He says, Ashley Key. And I said, oh, now? I had figured I missed it, and I was wrong. And I said, wow, well, he's like, I want you to go to the Lord and pray about it because I feel like now's the time. And, of course, you know, that was in 2013. We were married in January of 2016. So the process began after we were told for four months, no contact, go in your prayer closet separately. She went to Bible college. I stayed at Long Island and said, I want you guys to pray for four months about it. No contact, no communication, no letters, no messages, no emails, no Facebook posts, none of it. Zero contact. And we did it. Right, Ash? We did it. And we came back together after four months, and we felt like the Lord had spoken to us. We were married. And God fulfilled the word that he spoke to me in 2009, that I thought I had to rush so it's not just about hearing from God, and it's not just about trusting God. Sometimes it's about his timing. And you have to trust that if God is big enough to, to make the earth and make human beings in an intricate and make our ecosystem, the way it all works together, and make weather and, and make oxygen and water and fish and all these living things, and everything simultaneously works together and moves. Do you think for just a second that he's big enough to work things out in his timing without you manipulating and trying to do it all yourself? He can, but you got to trust his timing. You have to trust his timing. Another way that we show trust to God is by forgiving others. You say, well, how does that show that I trust God? Because when you don't take things into your own hands and you don't take vengeance or you don't, you don't try to get people back, and you just trust God with things and you forgive others. It's how you're forgiving others is trusting God. Forgiving others is saying, you know what? I don't have to, I don't have to organize this universe. I don't have to teach someone a lesson. God has his own ways of doing that and working things out. Jesus told us in the same uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, I believe. He said to not only to forgive others, but to love your enemies. And by loving your enemies, you are actually putting on display that you trust God. Because, see, it's not my responsibility to orchestrate if Keith does me wrong and does me dirty. It's not my responsibility to teach him and to pay him back and to give him a piece of my mind. I can trust that the Lord has my life in his hand. And there's nothing Keith can do to me that God hasn't allowed to happen and will make a way out of what has happened or deliver me from what has happened. And if he doesn't, he has allowed it and it's okay. Because he's my God, my trust is in him. This man, not that he would ever do anything, but I'm just using him as an example, has no authority or power over my life. So I can freely forgive him, I can freely love him, and leave the rest to the Lord. In fact, the, in Proverbs it says, it says when you love your enemy, it's like, it's like heaping coals over them. So instead of, instead, of, instead of it, you having to pay back them, just by loving them, you're actually heaping hot coals over them. And don't you know that God uses our enemies for our good anyway? Even in, when the nation of Israel, in the book of Joshua, when they're facing all, all, all the enemies that are coming against uh, the nation of Israel, we know that the nation of Israel was God's chosen people, and, and he had a plan and a purpose for them to conquer and overcome. But it says in, the, in, 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 in that book, it says that God allowed some of the enemies to remain 
Because he wanted his people to have to fight and overcome and get victory, but he wanted them to have to fight. Because the trust doesn't come in all the enemies. Maybe that happened by coincidence that, you know, all our enemies are gone. But God said, I'm going to leave some struggles. I'm going to leave some things against you. Because in the natural, you're not going to believe that you're going to be able to get through this enemy. But you're going to trust in me. You're going to know that I'm God. Because you're going to see even when there is resistance, even when there is problems, even when there is struggles, that God is faithful. And that you can trust him regardless of whether it's smooth sailing or rough seas you can trust him so sometimes we have to love our enemies and we have to forgive because God allowed those enemies in your life God allowed those things to happen now I'm not saying he purposed for them I'm not saying that that, that, that he makes people do stuff but obviously if it happened he, he is going to make a way out of it for you he's going to give you a way of healing through the trauma that comes through people or enemies or bad things that have done for you and you have to trust God with it you can't stay in a victim mentality forever and say, poor me, this happened to me, this person did this to me, I'm very sorry that it happened, and, 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 and I have compassion, and I, and I hope that you can understand that anything that happened to you, God can heal you from. God can use what has happened to you to minister to other people if you will allow him. So our responsibility in trusting God is not to get vengeance. It's not to wallow in our pain. It's to say, Lord, I forgive those that have done against me because I trust that you'll take care of me and them. And that I don't have to be the organizer or the constructor of the universe. I trust God to take care of my business. I trust him to do it. I trust him. Another way that we show trust to God is that we give. We can give. By giving, I mean uh, not just of finances, but that does include finances. It's your time and your talents. That you can trust God with that. There's no greater investment than in the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus said that some will return to you 30, 60, 90. 30, 60, 90. Or 100 percent. I might be wrong on the 90. 30s. For the, some of you Bible scholars, I don't have it in front of me. 30, 60, 100 full, right? So there you go. You can invest in the kingdom of God. You can give freely. And know that God, you can trust God that he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you and your family. He may not give you everything that, that you may think you want or desire. Because remember, uh, some of the things that we desire are birthed out of evil desires, lustful things. But I can promise you one thing. God will give you everything you need. And more. I mean, I can look around and say, you know, some of us in this room, probably most of us, have really made some poor choices in our life. But somehow, we still are all clothed. We're still all in our right mind. He's given us food today. How many people are going to have lunch and dinner today? I mean, I assume God has provided that for us. God has provided that for us. Even this building that we're in right now. And the rent money that it costs to pay for it. God's provided it for us. God has. You can trust him because he's going to take care of you. But if you're, if, if you're not willing to give of yourself, whether it be your finances, your time, or, or your talents, then how much do you trust God? You know, the staff here, just so you guys don't know, it, maybe you don't know, they don't make a lot of money. I mean, you don't come into Teen Challenge to get rich, I promise you. But I, I bet you if you talk to every one of them, they all have everything they need. And I bet you if you, all, you talk to all of them in the future of their life, everything that they ask God for, God's going to give them. If they continue to serve them, God will give them a family. God will give them 
a future, a hope, a career, whether it's in ministry or somewhere, God will give that to you. But they're here giving of themselves and not looking for the payout to come from Pastor Paul necessarily, but they're looking for it to come from the Lord. And sometimes it comes in finances, and sometimes it comes in things that we can grab a hold on. Sometimes it comes back in health. Sometimes it comes back on on the accidents that didn't happen, or the the bullets that didn't take you out, or, or the overdose that didn't happen. We don't think about that all the time. You know, a lot of times we look at how much God's given us. It's all based upon what's in our bank account, the car we're driving. And I'm telling you what, that's, that's something that God gives, but that doesn't, you, I could tell you right now that my life was preserved by the Lord. And if he never gives me another thing, he's given me more than I have ever deserved. We can trust him with our finances. We can trust him with our time. We can trust him with our talents. I know a family that, I, that, that I've known since I'm 15 years old. Very, very musical. I mean, the family, they're all musicians. Very gifted. Some of the most gifted people musically that, that I personally have ever met. And, um, and I, I believe God called them to write Christian music and to lead worship. I believe that that's what God intended for them. And they kept on trying to go the secular way, the secular way, the secular. And I'm not saying that doesn't work out for some people. You know, if you watch most of these singers, will tell you most of them started in church and they all gone astray or whatever have you and then went into the secular world. So I'm not saying that it doesn't work out for some. But these particular people that I know, I really believe had enough talent to be professional or to really be used by God musically. But they went into they went the secular way, and they would you know they went they went and they formed bands, and they would go play in bars, and they would try you know they would record some things, and they would do all these things, and 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 they never went anywhere, and it's like I can't believe that God gave them all this talent, but you know what they didn't trust God enough to give the, their talent to the Lord, and say God I believe if I give this to you. And I offer this to you for your kingdom. I believe if they would have done that, and, you know, once again, this is just my mind and my speculation, but I believe that if they would have given it to the Lord instead of gone the other way, that God would have already have used them on a, on, on a great platform because of their gift. But they didn't trust their gift to the kingdom. They trusted their gift to a different kingdom. And it didn't work out. I promise you, if you trust your gift to the kingdom, God will, will, will work it out for you. God's faithful. Just like if we invest by, in the kingdom by our tithes and our offerings. Even giving tithes is a level of trust. It's a level of trust saying, God, listen, this money, uh, which you know I could really use for something I like or maybe to save or put in my retirement, but this is yours first. Because I'm going to trust you with all of that other stuff. I remember as a student in the program, I would get my $10, you know, you go on, go on storefronts and you get your $10 for, for, breakfast, uh, for lunch. And I remember, man, every day I would take a dollar out of my 10 and say, Lord, this is 10% and I'd put it in the box. I'm going to live on nine because I'm going to get used to living on 90% of what you've given me instead of taking all 10 to me. God's been faithful. But it takes trust to start somewhere. And don't wait to think that I'm going to get somewhere in the future before I start trusting him with finances. Start right where you're at with the little bit that you got. Just try him. I, I, I dare you. I double dog dare you to try the Lord in the area of finances. I dare you because he's faithful and he wants to be trusted and he will prove himself, especially when you're in your infancy stage as a, a new Christian or somebody that has just really made a decision, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord, that if you will trust him and start where you're at, don't wait, oh, once I have a great job, and I, because it won't happen. If you won't do it with your little, you won't do it when you get a lot, I assure you. 
Start where you're at. Start trusting them with your finances. Trust them with your talents. Say, man, man, I, I, I'm, I'm too good. I mean, I, 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 I'm so gifted. I can't stay as an intern as Teen Challenge and, you know, start off making a couple dollars a week. Man, I'm way too gifted for that. Trust them with it. Trust them. He's faithful. He's faithful. And the last point that I want to end on when it comes to trusting God and what it looks like. When we trust God, we obey our leaders. We obey, we obey our parents. We obey the people that are above us. We obey the authorities that God has established in our life. When we trust God. Because even if they're wrong, and I know I've probably given some counsel to people that they really, really thought that maybe I was wrong. And I probably wasn't, but I'm sure sometimes I might be. But I could assure you that if you submit yourself and surrender your will to the Lord and the, the, the authority that God puts over you, that he will never punish you for submission and for surrender that he will make it a way for you. Just like when my pastor said, I understand, Paul, that you think that this is your wife, but not now. I had to submit and I had to surrender. And I tell you, I thought he was wrong. I said, no, man, I know what I'm supposed to do. This is... But you know what? He was right. And now looking back on it, both me and my wife know that, man, if we would have got together then, I was still a mess. I would have messed it up for sure. I thought I was there. I thought I was able to handle. I would have never been able to handle what God has given me to handle now. I would have never been able to do it. I would have never been able to be a good husband, a good dad. I would have never been able to do it. God knew that. I didn't know that. But he used my leaders that were a little bit ahead of me and a little bit through the process and weren't emotionally involved to speak over my life and to say, not ready yet, Paul. Yes, I am. How dare him say I'm not ready? Man, I wasn't ready. Still not sure if I'm ready. But I'm a lot more ready now than I was then. And that's why, you know, in Romans chapter 13, it says obey. It's one of the teen child scriptures, obey the governing authorities, those who resist the uh, authorities. Uh, come on, you guys know it. Are resisting God. Resisting God. And do you know that it was the governing authorities that were the ones that were killing the Christians? You know, when Peter said to honor the emperor, honor the king, that same person, Nero, was the one that, you know, hung him upside down and crucified him. But he still said to honor him. Because you have to trust God's plan and God's purpose that it's above and greater even than the people that are above you making decisions for you. And what a great way to live, to relinquish the fight, to say, you know what? I don't have to work this out. I'm just going to trust God. And I know, guys, that sounds like silly, like you mean I don't have to do anything. And I'm not saying because there are times that you have to do stuff. And there are times that even your leaders will say, no, you need to do this. No, you need to work on this. No, you need to... You know, get this done to be prepared for your future. There'll be times where you have to, you get education and you're going to have to do schoolwork. I had to, when I believe God called me to be a pastor, I didn't say, all right, I'm going to sit around and just, all right, when is this going to happen? I started praying and asking God to bring the schooling. Remember I said I was going to go to Bible college. That was my plan. Eight-day fast, true story, and I'm closing, guys. Eight-day fast, God, I want to go to Bible school. 
I'm having a child. I can't move out of the area. What am I going to do? I didn't know what I was going to do, but I feel like you called me to Bible school. It was on the last day of an eight-day fast because I, needed to, I wanted to know what God wanted me to do as far as schooling. On the eighth day, it was the first time ever I went on choir ministry uh, to represent the ministry. First time ever. I represented the ministry. I, I, I introduced it. Uh, and then they, they were serving pizza down, pizza, pizza, pizza downstairs in the basement of the church. And I remember going down there, and I wasn't eating uh, because I was on the last day of a fast. And I remember the pastor's wife, who's also uh, an ordained minister, said, uh, was sitting down with me. She said, you going to have any pizza? I said, no, nah, I'm not eating. She said, oh, oh, that's nice. You know, I didn't tell her why or whatever. She said, hey, Brother Paul, did you ever think about maybe going to Bible school? I was like, it's funny you should say that because that's what I'm fasting about. And she said, oh, really? She's like, well, I'm an instructor uh, at, at the New York District School of Ministry, and we, we have a, a program that kind of makes it possible so that you do most of your work on your own at home, but you come to class once a month and you take a test and you have five hours of lecturing on the, the course, uh, and then you get your next book and you go home, and, and it's, 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 it's every, every month you fulfill a course requirement. And I was like, man, that really sounds like something that will fit right into what, what, my, what I'm doing. She didn't know what I was fasting for. I didn't know that God was going to give me the answer on the last day of the fast at a different church at a different place. I didn't go ask around for it. I just asked, Lord, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm going to fast and pray. I need you to open a door. So everything that I was anxious about while I was a student, while I was an intern, how am I going to go to school? I got to go to Bible college. I got to go here. I got to go there. God presented it to me, presented it to me. He presented it to me. When the time was for me and my wife to get together, I didn't go back to my pastor and say, hey, man, what about this? Is this going to happen? This he presented it to me. He said, hey, Paul, without unsolicited conversation. So in my experiences with God, of course I have to do some work at times. Of course I have to be faithful and pray. But God presents things to you in the right timing with the support of the people that God has established around you. And if God has established people around you that fear God and are praying and Bible reading and God honoring people, and they give you counsel or instruction, count that as a great blessing because not everybody has that like you guys do right now. But I promise you, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, it says, The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and he directs it like running water. If you ever turned a faucet on and put your hands under it, you can turn the water to kind of use your hands to kind of guide the water. Well, God says that the heart of a king is in his hands like that. So if the heart of a king is in his hands like that, that he directs it, then isn't the heart of every authority or leader over you in the hands of God and God can direct it any which way he wants? So unless you're ever told to sin by a leader or a governing authority forces you to sin or do something contrary to the word, then we're called to trust God and obey and to submit. That's our duty. That's our call. God will work out the rest. Do you trust him?